0: Hi, Steve Cooper, and welcome to Ranked Success Podcast, and today my special guest is myself. Uh, so welcome to me, uh, but today I wanted to uh, put myself under the spotlight uh, on my podcast. Someone did suggest it to me a while back, and uh, it didn't make sense to me at the time, but I do understand there's some things I say in my dulcet rummy turns from time to time that are of interest to people, uh, and so I thought I would just turn the spotlight on myself, Uh, ask a good friend of mine Adrian to uh, facilitate some questions for me and we'll see how it goes but we've got a little bit of ground to cover and uh, we've got some questions so hopefully I will answer the questions and come up with something interesting informative and valuable for you as a promotion candidate so welcome Adrian take it away
1: hi I'm Adrian and I'll start you off with a nice easy question Steve why is promotion unfair
0: okay unfair well i suppose that really depends where you're coming from Uh, it is something that was recently highlighted in the casey review as promotion being unfair and there are a number of reasons given for that but there's always been a perception of uh, some people getting promoted as being unfair and to be fair through history there have been lots of different reasons why that might be the case, including nepotism, including the system, including who you know. But today, uh, you know, it's my personal view that it's it's better than it was, although there is a whole cohort of people uh, every year uh, who will come up with a case and make the case for promotion selection processes being unfair. Now, from my perspective, I can see how when someone has prepared Uh, for the exam to take the exam and then they've gone through uh, applying for promotion whether that means a whole um, application process competency based or behavioral based application process there's quite an undertaking then to put that together particularly with your other pressures and, and timelines and priorities in life and then you get through to a stage where you submit it and it's refused or it's it doesn't make the grade and often there isn't an explanation with it that's meaningful uh, so you can't really have any feedback that you can do better do something different um, have some meaningful uh, feedback on it so that's frustrating but then when you go through to the interview or promotion board as they're known and the fact that they all look different in different forces and I've written blogs about this that I call it the postcode lottery of police promotion uh, and that means that there are different processes in place at different times, in different forces, for different ranks, and then it changes again the following year. So in amongst all of that, there's a whole load of variables by which people perceive promotion as being unfair. So that's, that's, that's the first thing I would say, and, and the second thing I would say is it also depends at what angle or approach you're coming at promotion from. If you're someone who is literally looking to learn and to grow and to develop, and understand you're going to make mistakes, understand from the outset when you start preparing for a valuable opportunity for promotion, that you don't know everything. It's unlikely you'll know everything. Uh, Even though you're probably acting or you may be temporary, uh, or you may know people who have passed promotion selection processes, it doesn't mean to say that you will. You have to have an attitude and approach to at least make an informed approach give yourself the best run up for the process that you can and improve the odds in your favor and try and make it as fair as you can for yourself uh, by applying yourself now um, some people just that that means to some people um, oh there's an email coming the boards are open um i'll just put together a form before we go off shift submit it and that's me done and i'll just turn up and wing it that kind of approach you're likely to have a pretty unpleasant and probably bruising experience with the promotion selection process because as i said i think it's better today it's fairer it's arguably more complex uh, and testing but i think it's probably fairer than it was years ago but that's just my opinion Uh, working with people all the time i've been doing it for a decade now thousands of people through boards so i've kind of got an opinion on it uh, i believe i've learned and grown and developed through that process so i have a, an informed view uh, and i i believe that anybody who comes at this at promotion and gives themselves a run-up and starts to prepare themselves meaningfully um and get better as they approach a promotion selection process they are far more likely to do better in that process than others who choose not to invest in themselves either with time with energy uh, with prioritizing um, with refocusing recalibrating resetting themselves ready for a promotion selection process it's not easy getting promoted it's hard and it should be Um, it's good that promotion boards can choose from uh, a competition of good candidates all of whom put themselves forward Uh, and you know I've written uh, blogs around being good better and best you've got to aim to come top in the process there's no other aiming point for it so if you want it to be fair make it as fair as you can for yourself or as Einstein would say you know uh, learn learn the rules and then you know you've got to play them better than anybody else on the day um, as well as injecting your own experience and knowledge and personality into it so Um, Hopefully that's a a, a broad response to it. I do accept and I have written blogs recently that organisations are waking up if you like and smelling the coffee in terms of the uh contributions that uh neurodivergent uh individuals can make within organizations so policing gchq and other organizations are waking up and smelling that coffee that hey we've overlooked people who are very talented who think differently who may need to be assessed and and um tested differently and you know policing's a bit behind the curve on that at the moment but there are opportunities and there is support and reasonable adjustments in place and they're getting better but in terms of you know a fair process no such thing i don't think as a holy before grail.
1: getting on to the that's really comprehensive so a couple of points that i want to pick up with you before getting on to those making it a fairer process uh the first point you mentioned was that officers can have the um Perception that it's unfair if it's not been explained to them or maybe they've not um, prepared effectively Can you expand a bit more about that on the kind of feedback people get and how that can feed into perceptions about fairness?
0: Yeah, well um, Feedback varies as with all of the these uh, aspects and elements of promotion selection processes, so uh, some people Don't get any feedback at all whatsoever in any way shape or form at all even though they ask for it Uh, and again there's reasons for that other forces are far far better Uh, so they will pick up the unsuccessful candidates at the end of a process recognize they've invested in themselves to get better they haven't made the grade or you know the the score on this occasion some may come very close Uh, and some may have a distance to go. But they pick those people up, they sit down with them, they give them some meaningful feedback, they let them know how they did, where they could have done better, and they'll give them and sit down and work with them on a development plan, an action plan, to get better in the next 12 months so that they present themselves. And in terms of uh, promotion, uh, you know, not everybody gets through. You might read through my testimonials and be under the impression that lots and lots and lots of people get through first time, and they do but there's an equal uh, kind of aspect to, you know, cohorts of people. Everybody's on the different stage of the promotion journey. Um, And so different cohorts of people have different experiences. Some people need to go for promotion and get it out of their system and crash and burn and fail. Failure's part of learning. And actually, you know, it's part of a strategy. Some people just, just say, well, look, Where's the opportunity? Let's go for it. Uh, and if I run against the wall and I, I have to pick myself up, dust myself down, I'll go again. So we're talking about you know growth mindset, fixed mindset there. Yeah, that,
1: that was the interesting bit of your second part that I picked up on, Neil, some where you mentioned early on in your answer about how some people take the opportunity to just use, go for the process and with a mindset that they're gonna learn from it and uh, go in with an open mind, rather than get too uh, hung up about it. So, yeah, talk a bit more about that and the growth mindset approach.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, some some people, uh, some officers will go through the process, uh, and Carol Dweck is the the, uh, authority on the growth mindset. She's got a fantastic book called Mindset, and you will recognise yourself in it um it talks about two mindsets so the fixed mindset which is a belief that you're as good as you're going to get you can't get any better and the growth mindset in a nutshell is look you you're learning all the time you can grow you can take a different approach and, and pick up skills and learn and get better as you go on and you see that reflected in promotion candidates so uh, some and and as I said before people are at different stages of their promotion journey some don't choose to go for promotion until later on for lots of reasons uh, they want to you know perhaps bring a family up first and then go for promotion and realize their, their their ambitions or their dreams their hopes their aspirations in the job uh, and other people go for it straight out of the traps <laughs> as soon as they are if you like out of their probation uh, or out of their you know their, their uh, eligible period where they can go for promotion uh, and you know they call it the greasy pole for a reason it's a bit like trying to climb a greasy pole so you know sometimes there's no rhyme nor reason to it but if i had to put you know an emphasis on it i'd say those that plan and prepare ahead and give themselves time a run-up if you like they can surprise themselves by what they're able to do so i think giving yourself time um, adds a different dimension to pre- preparation because so many good candidates unwittingly sabotage their chances of promotion success by not allowing themselves time and what I mean by that is they'll pass the exam and understandably you know depending when you study I know they've opened up the exam now to um, twice a year so you can pass the science and inspector, or take the science and inspectors exam uh, MPPF um, stage two Um, you can take that twice a year now for the first year for sergeants and inspectors I believe so that's good that's going to increase the coats and give people a chance to get through that stage and I think they could probably do that with forces but that's that's by demand what forces need to fill vacancies for supervisors but when you take that exam you know some stage before you took that exam you came to a decision with yourself you came to the realization that you wanted to become a leader you wanted to lead other people. You believed in your own potential and that you had potential to lead a team, to lead other people uh, in the organisation. And you went for it and you passed the exam. But by the time you've got through, as it used to be, you know, the spring for sergeants and October, having studied all through the summer for inspectors, you're going to want a break. You're going to naturally want a break. You'll have been away from your family, locking yourself away to study for long periods of time. And you need to have a, a break and relax. But you made a decision there that you're going to go for promotion. And when you get through the exam and you're successful, you've got five years, you've got a ticket. And uh, some people think, wow, fantastic, I've got it. Yeah, have a breather, have a pat on the back, do something, you know, fantastic you're passionate about. Stop thinking about it for a couple of months, but don't pass up the opportunity to convert your leadership aspirations and your exam result into promotion success on a board. So
1: yep. you're saying that recognition relates to fairness, is about taking ownership of your own uh, future, and that's how you can make the process more fair for yourself. Yeah,
0: that that's a strategy overall. It's also a competency, taking ownership under the competency and values framework, and all of these things are interlinked and overlay with each other. But essentially, it's about your attitude. So you've got the attitude to pass the exam. Great, have a rest. You deserve it. Get you know, get that momentum fired up again, and go for the next step, even if you're unsuccessful, and some people say, "Well, actually, no, Steve, I'm actually going to have a couple of years off now," but then they kind of ring me from the last chance saloon. They've got one year left and they have to do it; otherwise, they've got to take the exam again and repeat the whole process. So that's a decision as well to not to do it for whatever reason. But there's nothing wrong with you getting getting the exam under your belt, and actually keeping it for a while, and then going for a board. But you have to get it under your belt first. So, well,
1: On the fairness aspect, do you think there's a difference between the exam stage, uh, the MPPF Step 2, which has right and wrong answers quite clearly because it's aligned to the legal exam, and then the subsequent stage, um, do you think there's differences in perception of fairness about those two stages, and which is, which is perceived to be more unfair or less
0: unfair well there are two sides of, of the current coin aren't they of promotion really in, in England and wel- Wales in, the, in, in, in English and Welsh forces so you know if you if you choose to go for them you've got both of them not just one of them so I think yes there is a, a right and wrong answer on an exam by definition you know and you get the appropriate mark and then you switch into effectively a different side of your brain uh, you know a different whole different makeup it's about who you are what have you got to offer policing in terms of leadership capacity or potential? Because that's what a promotion board wants to talk about. They want to talk about your values and they want to talk about uh, you know, what kind of leader you think you're going to be. If you're someone who's temporary or acting, they could ask you or want to be interested in you know, what's going on under the surface. You know, um, What's it like to be led by you? And those are very difficult questions, completely different questions. A lot of them are quite introspective. And in terms of values, in terms of integrity, um, and in terms of how you will lead other people, it's right that in a promotion selection process, whatever it looks like, there's going to be some difficult questions which are more difficult if you haven't spent any time whatsoever thinking about them. So introspective questions are questions where you can't go to anyone else for the answer. It's only you on the spot and the great thing with that is you can think through and work through those questions and in my digital promotion toolkits in my interview guide there's a whole question bank of things uh, of questions um relevant to various competencies relevant to various values to really get you thinking and into that zone if you're like far far ahead of any promotion selection process but i think if you're seriously considering a leadership role um, you've got to ask yourself some questions And I think those are, you know, include, uh, what are my values? There's a whole load of work you can do on that. And guess what? That's what a board are going to want to know about. There's four featured in the CVF, but different forces have their own values. What do you know about them? Are they just words on paper? Well, they are, unless you can explain what they mean. So, you know, what are my values? How are my values? What do you really believe in and what line will you not cross? Now, what's that? That's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> That's an interesting question. What's that cut into the heart of? Yeah, and there's lots often of People don't think of that. No. And so. and so those are the kind of questions that I will throw up in the air, if you like, for uh, discussions, um, coaching, conversations, um, mentoring. You know, What kind of aspects or where does that link to the functions and dimensions of the supervisory roles at level one, level two? So Sergeant, Inspector. Um, because those are ethical issues, ethical leadership, what does How that does mean? How does that
1: relate to fairness? Are you saying that that's the difference between those candidates that prepare and those candidates that don't so much and might then perceive it as less fair because other candidates have put that kind of work in and asked those introp- introspective questions, for example?
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, there's a whole process you go through when you, when you think and work through those kind of questions. They are deeply personal, they're reflective, they're insightful. So you get insights into yourself, into the process. Um, what, what do you believe about the world? You know, How might that change if you were to go through some of these questioning and these? And, and that's what I see is I say to people when they prepare for promotion that they are choosing to put themselves through a transformation process from being a good operational competent constable, as they say, to making that massive jump to sergeant. Every jump after that is smaller. It's a massive jump to sergeant, and so it should be a stiff test, particularly in light of all the ethical issues, all the behavioural issues, all the stuff in the media at the moment about, you know, um, abhorrent behaviours that exist in policing as well as other organisations. What do you think about that? How will you ensure standards are set, maintained and reinforced as a sergeant on your team? Tell us about it. You've got the next seven minutes.
1: That would be good to ask a different question on this, the standards.
0: Um, yeah, coming well, back to... The sergeant's role in, in a nutshell, and, and and you know some people say, well, what is the sergeant's role? I don't even know what it is. I I've got asked it on my board and I had a blank. Well, in short, the nutshell version, I say, yeah. uh, which has helped lots of people, is to set, communicate, and reinforce standards across the organisation. That's the nutshell version. There is, of course, a much better uh, and a more impactive um, Uh, mnemonic role uh, that describes the functions and dimensions of a science role and that's in my digital toolkits which is why it's unfair as an advantage for someone to have those toolkits (laughs) to work through them to think through them and to give themselves the time to reflect and revisit them over a period of time those candidates set themselves apart from anybody else who just thinks because they are temporary acting or they're well liked well respected on their team they're the go-to person when the wheel comes off they change their shifts all the time in a brutal way in an unfair way nobody cares because you're just the same when you appear on a promotion board there's no favors and so the the word unfair i mean i just i kind of kind of short-circuit it by saying promotion is unfair yeah there's lots of policies in place of course there are they want to make it as fair as they can to get the right people and as many of the right people as they can in a promotion selection process every single time and then hopefully invest in those people as they go forward to become better leaders that's what rank success is all about and certainly to get you as that launch pad into the system where you can be picked up and supported as you go through but don't sit for a minute and think the world's fair because it's not well you know that yourself but certainly promotion isn't fair and why should you get through a promotion uh, selection process by winging it there are people who can answer some of those very difficult questions which give the promotion panel sometimes including lay members from the community invited into selection processes and assessment centers that insight into you uh, and you can't hide your non-verbal communications you can't hide some aspects of your behavior not in that kind of environment and that's why they're so testing and that's why when people are not um, successful in them they come away with you know perceptions that it's it's unfair and the force have got it wrong, and the force have rejected you, when in fact, you know, the the analogy is, you know, you crawl away into a corner, you lick your wounds, you stand up, stand proud, and go for it again. But with that growth mindset, you would have learned
1: what you could do better and how to smash it And
0: that's exactly it. So sitting down and working through and trying to go on another intelligence gathering exercise, what went well, what didn't go so well, and what might I do differently next time to prevail in the process? And you'll see testimonials on my site. There are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. So find one. But there's one there that will answer and speak to you in a way that, you know, people have come out of promotion boards and go, do you know what? I failed four times. But I prepared this year and I flew through. I came top of the board. Now, how does that happen? What happens four times on the trot? but changed the fifth time. Now you'll see people there 12 times. What's the most number of times Twelve. someone
1: and, and that's before Twelve. they thought to seek help and get well, I think support, that's because they were just getting the wrong kind of <clears throat> wrong kind of help before. Probably all of that.
0: I don't know is the short answer, but what I know is that when I sit down with somebody or they work through those toolkits, they can self-correct. They can identify their own gaps. They can ask and often do a whole different set of questions a whole different set of questions than what most people ask at the outset of a promotion process.
1: 12 times, so that's that's a dogged determination isn't it? That's three exams under the old time limits. I have to say,
0: I, I've never been more inspired sometimes when I sit down with those individuals or mm. in fact that, that individual I don't think I sat down with, I don't think that was a, but many of the people I, I, I've never met, many of the mm. successful um, sergeants, inspectors, students, inspectors I've never met. because they get this they get the fact that they can actually close their gaps very quickly by working through a a digital promotion tool which starts from the beginning how to lay out and how to lay out and present all your um evidence so there's lots of elements in that you know structuring presenting it have you got the right evidence is it at the right level i.e the level of the rank um and and we can talk about those aspects as we go but that's the basics Hmm. so presenting your evidence in a good light and actually following basic instructions that are given to you in application forms you're busy i get that this pops up on a thursday night it's got to be in by tuesday the next morning you're going to make mistakes and some of those mistakes include not reading and following basic instructions and i mean by that things like word limits and uh, what you should and shouldn't include in your form
1: so there's lots of hurdles that people can fall down at without realising, and then they may have the perception that it's unfair. Whereas if they had ticked all these boxes, met the word limits, done the preparation, actually they can bring the odds more into their favour and um, realise where they're going wrong.
0: Yeah, I think it's sometimes just steering yourself into for a chance to sit on that chair in front of a promotion panel and answer some questions. And if I I would say, and it's often the case, that if you do the work, You should be able to sit in front of that board thinking, and I don't suggest for a minute you say it, but thinking to yourself, which of you have got questions for my answers? (laughs) Because that reflects a really healthy state of preparation where you will engage with a panel and you're confident to share your views, not just answer the question. Yes, you've got to answer the question. You'll notice in my models, in my toolkits, I talk about responding to the question and a response encompasses your answer but also allows you to kind of add value to your answers. So, you know, my own thoughts on that are, because guess what, no one else will do that. And that's really interesting for the board to hear as well. Mm. And it makes it interesting rather than robot 54 in the chair on a massive set of interviews uh, where everybody's saying the same thing. uh, Someone just stands out and it's so easy for promotion panel uh, members to know that you've prepared to a depth and breadth that reflects itself in the confidence uh, that you're sitting there in front of them with. Um, yeah,
1: well that's pretty comprehensive. I I, I just have one, uh, um, or a couple of follow-ups that I think could be quite interesting. What What about those um, officers when you, you often hear it and you see, see it around where those that have failed have complaints or even officers that haven't gone through the process, they kind of think, they look at others um, that have got through and they think, how on earth have they got through as an officer? I don't believe in whether it's their capabilities, they, they can't comprehend why they got through and somebody else that they think is a better leader didn't, what, what would you say to those people? Um,
0: well, or the first situation? thing that comes to my mind there is um, recruit for attitude, train for skills. So that kind of reflects, you know, you can have somebody with all the best operational experience, really talented, kind of um, uh, experienced individual but doesn't set the world alight and can't reassure a board in 45 minutes that they will do some or all of the right things that they need to do in a leadership capacity whereas someone else might come in and talk about different styles of leadership and they're far less experienced but they understand ethics they understand what the code of ethics is there for they understand their own values and are happy to talk about them. that's a massive thing
1: is that a more kind of academic skill, would you say? I, don't, I don't
0: think that's academic. Um, I think um, some people are academic, and this is where Rank Success can help people who are perhaps not so academic to just sit down, um, play. Uh, so I've recorded a promotion masterclass four hours. Well, there's four hours. You can sit down with a cup of coffee if you can listen to these dulcet <laughs> brummy tones. Um, but there's me, suited booted, leading aspiring candidates through what they need to know now I'm not giving you answers at every turn, I'm giving you questions at quite a few of those turns and if you think through those questions and you're able to answer them, you sit down in front of a promotion panel or part of a selection process or in front of you know, delivering a presentation and your brain says instead of oh dear what's happening here, goodness gracious how can I deal with this situation, I'm, I'm being overloaded to you know, your brain goes I've been here before, I mm. understand exactly what I'm going to do now. I have a choice of three models that will fit this presentation scenario and I can crack straight on with it rather than being overloaded and that's what those exercises are designed to do. Overload you. Do you you mean the uh, briefing? Briefing and presentation scenarios uh, where you walk in you get given half an hour or 60 minutes so different forces allow different times and you get given a flip chart and some um, crayons, I shouldn't say crayons, (laughs) the firearms teams will get annoyed with (laughs) me. Um, but you know pens pencils and stuff to to be able to articulate and express uh, a scenario you're given uh, which often has got a number of elements to it and so you need to kind of bring some clarity to that and demonstrate your thinking how will you approach this which could be a quite a realistic scenario and there are some key themes in there that they need to see from you that reflect the dimensions and functions of the role that you're going for
1: so rather than it being academic versus practical then and that differentiating the cops that get through and those that don't and the the perceptions of fairness then maybe it's a situation of more the those that do it day in day out but don't necessarily think about what they do and make that time to reflect upon how they do things um, and then struggle with a board compared to those that are good at articulating how they do things how they think about stuff and preparing for things. Is yeah. that is that part of it? I think that's a solution? good summary. And
0: and again the first thing that comes to my mind is Simon Sinek's TED Talk where he talks about, you know, the the why, the what and the how and he talks about the fact that, you know, a lot of people know what they do in organisations. Some people know how they do it, but they don't always know why they're doing it. And bingo, that's a really good structure for you as a aspiring promotion candidate to think through. So it's a, a thinking lens. So when you're actually working through a promotion application or you're thinking through your interview responses, what are you doing? Well, you might be really comfortable with that if you're operational. Um, How are you doing it? That's important. The board want to know how you did it. So giving some time and thought to that how you did it. But then be proactive verbally in your own interests and getting there the why I was doing it. And this is why I was doing that in this particular way. And this is why it's important to me. So bringing in your values. So that level of confidence is – people can reach that state of confidence very quickly. Some people reach it in just a few days, depending on what their overall experience and knowledge is. And some people need that three-month or six-month run-up to a promotion selection process. And both of them can do very, very well to the point where, you know, as is reflected in uh, many of the testimonials on my site, where people have been kind enough to give me feedback – they were asked to remain behind on the board, or they were spoken to after the board, or congratulated and rung up by a member of the board and said, "Wow, how? What did you do to prepare?" And that's you, not so, fair, is it? I that's mean, not having well, a that, conversation. No, after it's the, not <laughs> fair. It's not fair, but it's yeah. unfair if you don't get the chance and if you don't find out that those resources are available yeah, yeah. free. And you know, you cannot do anything. Or I find, I find, I will keep putting out free content uh, to people blogs videos and um, podcasts like this in different formats so today I'm being interviewed or I was going oh, I'm not interviewing myself you're doing a very good job but I, I don't think, how, how many different ways can we get this information out to people so that it kind of connects because everybody learns differently everybody thinks differently and those are the kind of things you need to know about as a leader because you need to tell other people the 45 minutes how you do it how do you learn what do you know about yourself? And that's an important lesson as a aspiring leader. How do you best learn? And if that's not available, what's the next best method? And how do you know that? How do you actually know that? So there's lots and lots of things you can think about. But guess what? You can't do any of that if you don't give yourself the time to do it. Because that makes it much, much fairer. Now, hopefully through this kind of conversation we're having here, people can sit perhaps and reflect and go, I get it you can't just turn around your performance in two weeks and turn up on a board process and sometimes that's true for two months as well Mm. it takes three six months to get match fit for a promotion selection process and the more intense and competitive the process is you know the more you need to prepare so it's good you can be an operational practical officer the academic side is you know it can be it can be recovered the academic academic side can. Even for
1: written applications?
0: I think especially for written applications, because in my digital toolkits, you can see detailed, um, bespoke, rank-specific examples under different frameworks, at different word limits, and with insights uh, into the questions and into the responses that are there. And they then serve you twice, not just for the application, but as model, uh, potential model interview responses For you to think through and then when you arrive there you think well actually there's only so many ways of saying that I remember from Steve's guides that actually that's a great way of saying it it seems to be something that kind of resonates with officers and it resonates with me as well so guess what I'm going to share that with the board Mm. and so things like you know the basics mission well generally that's a switch that turns most police officers off unless you can connect to it and Everyone loves it. a
1: nebulous mission statement, don't they? We? Well, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely,
0: <laughs> but I think it, it's a place you've got to go to because a mission mm. kind of pulls you forward into the future or leads you forward into the future, and policing is future-focused, uh, and all these elements around the role of you know using your resources effectively and efficiently, um, l- delivering and supporting and inspiring people. Um, You know, all of that is connected and the golden thread running through that is the mission why we're there and essentially that's to build safer communities together in policing but there's a whole load of other things around values that you can bring into that uh, and uh, you know offer a board a a personal statement I like that, that's something to
1: touch on in another interview from your newly star interview I gather, that's (laughs) good feedback, thank you I like that Um, one one other question I thought just to follow up because you mentioned about competitive And earlier on, you mentioned the competition. Can promotion ever be fair when there's a competition involved? Uh, So unlike the exam where you either pass or fail, this time you can be, as you used, good, better, best. You can be one of the better candidates. But if you don't make that threshold of the best um, against your peers and competition, you might still fail that year. So can, uh, can promotion ever be fair when competition's involved?
0: Um, In an ideal world, I suppose, if such a world exists, uh, it could be fairer, Um, but I think in terms of the word competition, that is often an element that's overlooked, missed completely, sidestepped by some, uh, and is probably at the heart of perceptions of unfairness because promotion selection processes exist, whatever you might think about it, to select the best available candidates. And that don't care what you think about when you're having a cup of tea in the, in, the, in the parade room afterwards, and you're talking about who got through the promotion boards. You know, when they can see somebody in front of them, uh, anxious, nervous. You know, it's a contrived situation, a promotion board. So not everybody does do well in it. But I think it's a competition. People respond differently to that. One of the things I always say to people, or encourage them to think about, is. It doesn't matter. People sometimes say, well, actually, there's more people going for promotion this year. They're better than me. They're more experienced than me. Um, They've had all these courses. They've done some acting or they've done some temporary. And and, you know, my kind of response is, OK, so how does that affect your chances? And the reality is it doesn't because you can't do anything about them, who they are, what they've done, what they've achieved. But there's a tremendous amount you can do. get match fit yourself and to be competitive right on point with them equal to them and better than them on the day and you'll find a whole section about preparing for on the day uh, but that's just about fine-tuning and refining and distilling ahead of the process commit to that work make that commitment to yourself now in terms of competition to uh, commit to a depth and a breadth of preparation for the board the likes of which you've never done before and you remember how long you spent studying for the exam it's the same for the board it's just different but what you're trying to do so if i make a sporting analogy here um if you agree to fight someone in a boxing match and um, forgive me for those of you who are not not violent or such but if you agree to do that and you're both going to turn up at this location in two months time what are you going to do you're going to prepare you're gonna get out, put the groundwork, put the miles in on the road. You're gonna do some fine-tuning, you're gonna do some bag work, some groundwork. Um, and then in the yeah. last, kind of, Even couple J- of weeks... Jake
1: Paul went from the YouTube channel to the gym when he gave it a go, didn't he? Jeez.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you're, you're gonna to have to do some fine-tuning uh, in the weeks leading up to it, which is what boxers do to, to, kind of, condition themselves. And it's very similar to a promotion process. So if you want to talk about competition, you can be as competitive as anybody else, on point on the day, and to use their words, uh, successful clients smash it out the ballpark. That's the that's that's what you're aiming to do, and that doesn't involve anybody other than yourself. And starting with those digital promotion toolkits, the promotion masterclass, and sitting down with what I, I like old-fashioned, a complete fresh new notebook, because you don't it's not loaded down by any previous knowledge or baggage. And you start writing down the aha moments you know those those light bulb moments that spark up when you read those toolkits when you cover the material so leadership models the competencies explaining cvf there's a cvf explainer video in there uh, which explains each competency the descriptors the different values in different forces and how you can think about it all because that's what a board want to know and particularly around things like decision making Here's an example or a scenario or a question they may dress that up with a question but what they want to know is how are you thinking how will you typically think and we're going to make an assessment of that now through this scenario and you can prepare for all of that and come in on point on the day and blow the competition away it's just a mindset Uh, uh, but it needs to start today that thinking needs to start today wherever you are whether you're going for a promotion process now or whether you're going for one in the near future or distant future that's really interesting. Um, just one final thought. I, I just,
1: it just occurred to me, talking about the difference again between exams and um, step three, and when it becomes more competitive. One difference you do have, compared to right or wrong answers, is a subjective element of human decisions in decide by the assessors, deciding whether or not you've ticked the marks or Uh, You've said the right things, or have come across in the right ways. Do you have any advice to how to make things more fair uh, and take things in in your favour when it comes to those more subjective elements?
0: Um, Yeah, well, I think I think assessors have a job to do. They do training. uh, They have quality benchmarking exercises so that they are generally in the right ballpark, if you like. So there's no, you know, they're in the right parameters. Um, of error, there are sometimes they get it wrong, and I know people that have had to appeal after promotion selection processes because, and generally the criteria for that is very tight. Mm. So let's look at the criteria first. What was it that happened? And it's quite rare. Uh, assessors want to get people through. They know they've got an important role to play in 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 this process in putting people through. But they're also there to be honest and to be subjective. And there's a there's a method they use, uh, ork or orca. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Uh, and, and different ways of assessing to make sure that people meet the standard required. So I think um, a lot of this is stuff you can easily find out about, but many people choose not to, or they don't include it as part of their preparation, so they don't know what to expect. So what I mean by that is, what type of interview is it that you're going for? And I'll sometimes say, could you tell me a little bit about what interview you're going for? And they'll say, what do you mean? It's a board. And I go, no, what kind of interview? And they go, So, in short, it's it's a competency-based or behavioural interview, generally. Uh, Some forces do strengths-based interviews. And again, I've written blogs on these. They're all on policepromotion.blog. And you can go and have a look at those. And those strengths-based questions and preparing for a strengths-based question, whether you're going to have a strengths-based interview or not, is a great way of preparing for a promotion board because it asks you many questions you are comfortable answering. And they do help you. it's like holding up a mirror to yourself you either know the answer and you're happy to answer or you don't know and you want to go and find out a bit more about yourself and that is an indicator of self um awareness which is a component of emotional intelligence and i've written two big blogs on now on, on my on my website so what i would say is in terms of being assessed assessors are there to do a job whether that's a promotion panel or whether it's people assessing you on presentation exercises and I, i've alluded before or two you know forces try their best to get this as fair as possible they really do i mean some forces have had a dragon's den type scenario where you walk into six different rooms where there's two or three different people in each room asking you a separate question so when you come out you can't say it was unfair and that the panel were biased against you but it's a way of demonstrating the forces trying to be as fair as possible they don't always get it right they get it wrong Um, and you know it, it, there's whole, there's so many aspects of whether it's fair or not, but let's just take the board rubber and wipe the board clean, wipe the slate clean. This is about you, your dreams, your hopes, your aspirations, your career progression, how you want to uh, develop and move forward yourself, uh, your intelligence gathering ability. And Sun Tzu would say, you know, intelligence or the lack of it determines the probability of success. And he's not talking about your cleverness in terms of intelligence. He's talking about get out there and find out what's available. Uh, to a certain extent, I can. Well, like intelligence-led
1: trom- policing, uh, to a bit a personal level. But I think,
0: I think, I think, probably getting out and saying, well, okay, in terms of a promotion selection process that I aspire to, who's already written out everything or a great deal of what I need to know to get match fit in the most effective and efficient time available? And of course, I would signpost and direct people to my toolkits. Uh, which I can download straight away, straight to their device, their iPad or whatever, and just crack on with it. Just hit the ground running. And all this that I'm talking about, if you're still with us listening to <laughs> this, um, you know, you'll know, you just find that straight away. It's like a revelation. Um, because you think, well, how did I ever not know that? Oh, I knew that, but I've never heard it described in that way. And I never made that link to the CVF. And whether you like it or not, the CVF, the Competency and Values Framework, is the... Um, the show in town, if you like, as I call it, uh, the current show in town for assessing police officers and recruits and other uh, promotion and selection processes in policing at the moment. And, um, you know, people have lots of different um, attitudes and perceptions and impressions of the CVF, um, generally more negative than positive. However, I would just encourage you to get to know the CVF. There's a blog I've, I've kind of written called Learn to Love the CVF, Uh, And the way I get around um, or get around to starting with people a conversation around that is could you please, and just don't don't think I'm saying it, imagine the board have just said this to you for the first question, would you please explain to us what you know about the Competency and Values Framework and how you would explain that to a member of your team who's interested in going for promotion. And generally that's what you hear, silence. (laughs) because people have never read it, they haven't read it in the depth that they need to, and then they haven't kind of, you know, sh- what I call shoot up to helicopter view, look down on it and go, it's just a framework. Mm. It's six behaviours, it's four competencies, well, and they've there's wrote, some They've read it
1: just when the process has been announced, and yeah. they've received a link to the document that opens up the 18 pages of uh, CVF-ness,
0: CVF yeah. goodness. So the College of Policing <laughs> have the guidance, and you go to the college, and I always encourage, and and and, and um and signpost and direct people to you know app authorized professional practice at the college of policing because there's some good stuff there um but some of it is um uh, different to how people perceive it and that's why some people say the cvf is difficult to work with which is why i came up with my own graphics and my own way of explaining it uh, and the video to explain it so there's always support available so going back to sun Tzu's approach (coughs) if you can get out there and gather up all the intelligence and let's say you do that in two days yeah that's the end of it you've got all that time ahead of your process To work through and to think through and to develop and to learn and to grow and get better incrementally every day on the run up to your board that's a whole different mindset than leaving it for three five six days a couple of sets of rest days before you even get around to thinking about it by which time yeah it's unfair because so many people are already ahead of you
1: I think that's a that's a good point to leave it at and at least for question one (laughs)
0: <laughs> We've you covered a lot there. We'll probably have to do
1: question <laughs> two and beyond in a in another um, podcast. But that's a really thorough, um, I- interesting discussion. I'm sure food for thought for everyone about how promotion can be unfair and how people can take ownership and make it fairer for themselves. I'll I'll let you wrap
0: up okay well thank you for asking me those questions and, and kind of triggering some of my responses and uh for those of you who found value in listening to this uh, great i may come back and do some more as adrian alludes to um i hope you found it useful uh, i'm always looking to um innovate and and get this information out to you free to signpost and direct people to where they can find resources because it's hard enough going for promotion but um i think i'll probably wrap up there and wherever you are on your promotion journey i wish you the very best Uh, i will be back with another podcast in due course and until then take care and stay safe